You refer to the one who will bring balance to the Force. Experience the wonder. You believe it's this boy? And the adventure. The Force is unusually strong with him. On February 9th. Just hang on! Celebrate Star Wars for the first time in spectacular 3D. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. Wipe them out. All of them. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace in 3D in cinemas February 9. Yeah, you can now go see The Phantom Menace, yippee, in 3D on the big screen. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly podcast about sci-fi, Star Trek, Star Wars, and fantasy, and television, and movies, and anything else we can think of, and collectibles, all kinds of good stuff. Today is February the 12th, 2012, and this is Podcast 370. Welcome to the show, everyone. This week on uh, this show, this show, this podcast, <laughs> uh, this two-week uh, interval of doing podcasts starting uh, that I started this year, is it, it makes it a little trickier to get into it each week, and I think I say that each week too, so sorry about that. This week we are going to be focusing on a Deep Space Nine episode. It is from Season 4, late in Season 4. It is called To the, to the Death, and, and basically this sort of is a gem Hadar episode kind of fleshes out those uh, people, species, uh, aliens, whatever, and uh, it involves the Iconian gateways and, and other things and some pretty cool fights and battles and, and just fun things to uh, cover. We'll be covering that one. I'll play the episode and comment uh, as I play it for you. Uh, later on the podcast, I'll also talk about some other news and information to begin with. We've got a contest to uh, settle and a whole lot more, so stand by. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hello again, and welcome to the podcast once more for the third or fourth time I've said that. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and I just again want to thank uh, last week's uh, guest uh, hosts. We had Al and Brian covering the first Alien movie. They did a great job. Uh, Hopefully, they will come back and do the second Aliens movie, uh, appropriately titled Aliens. I always liked how they did that. You know, the first one called Alien, basically about one alien, and the next one involving many aliens and and called it Aliens instead of Alien 2. I I just always thought that was a great way to... uh, Name the movie, and it fit very appropriately. So, again, thanks to those guys, and uh, we hope to have them back very soon, sometime uh, in the near future. Hopefully this year we'll cover another one in the Alien series of films. And we've got Prometheus coming out. I guess I think it's late summer it's coming out is, is when it's due, I think. I'm not positive about that. Um, I will look it up when I take my first break here. Let's talk about a few things. Uh, Did everyone watch the Super Bowl last week? I'm not a football, a real big football fan, but I had it on and watched for the commercials. And we've got some cool stuff to see or some cool new uh, commercials that uh, were shown, mostly movie previews that I was interested in. Things like uh, the Avengers 
They showed one for that Battleship movie, too. But the Avengers trailer, finally we get to see some of the Hulk in it and uh, uh, get a little bit better feel for the movie and uh, maybe some of the uh, different aliens that they're going to be fighting. There's looks like, you know, the bad guy, the main big bad guy is Loki, and you've got uh, all the Avengers there fighting him, and uh, I think it looks like Skrulls in the preview that, that is shown. You can see that online, of course, on YouTube and a lot of other places. But uh, And there's a great line, Tony Stark, when he's talking to Loki, and Loki says, I have an army, and, and Tony uh, Iron Man Stark says, we have a Hulk. You know, it's kind of like, we have a Hulk. So uh, I just, I it's a great little moment between the two of them. Stark is just having a little drink, and Loki's there, and he's just playing it cool, and, and uh, or uh, Stark is playing it cool, and it's just very, fits the character, fits the fits it very well. So I'm looking forward to that. And it didn't show up, I don't think, during the Super Bowl, but early this past week we got the, probably the biggest, most revealing Spider-Man trailer for uh, The Amazing Spider-Man. I think that's the official title for the new Spider reboot of the film series with um, new cast and new new uh, take on the, you know, slightly take on the origin story, but I think a whole lot more. Uh, the preview looks great to me, uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. I think they're uh, bringing out some qualities in Peter Parker and Spider-Man that we're maybe a little missing in the Tobey Maguire and, and uh, Raimi movies. Uh, you know, there's I like those movies a lot. I think the first one especially and the second one also are really good. But I think there's a few things they were missing, especially things like uh, Peter is basically a scientific genius. And they never really bring that out in those films that much. As far as, you know, one of the biggest things was the web shooters they used in those. They gave him regular organic, you know, it was part of his... Um, being bitten by the radioactive spider in those films that he got the ability to spin a web and all that stuff. In this, he's definitely using mechanical devices to aid him, like mechanical web shooters, which I feel is much more of the way the character should be, because that ends up being a critical factor for him. It not only shows that he's a, a science nerd and genius, but it also becomes critical at certain points in comics that I've read over the years. You know, he runs out of web fluid all the time. It costs money to to make it, uh, and it, it was just part of the character to a degree. So I'm glad they're bringing that back. And I like the way they're blending some of the things with uh, Peter's past and his parents into this movie that uh, they haven't touched on in the other films too much. So uh, we'll see what they do with it. It looks amazing, of course. Amazing Spider-Man, get it? So I'm looking forward to that uh, uh, quite a bit. We're going to just have a ton, of, again, of summer movies to see this year. You know, Star Trek was going to be out uh, the new next film that was original target of June this year, but it, of course is pushed to the summer uh, May of 2013, and they are uh, working on the filming of that. We haven't really seen any glimpses of it yet. They're really keeping it under wraps really tightly right now, and I, I don't know when the floodgates are going to happen, but we don't even know what some of these guest characters, uh, what what the main villain is, is what's his character like. Uh, and it was like this when he did the first film, when J.J. did the first one and filmed it way, way back. You know, that came out in 2009, but I believe they filmed it like almost two years before it came out or about a year and a half. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm sure some pictures will show up. You know, one of the biggest things, uh, other than the paparazzi that these film uh, crews have to worry about these days are the celebrities themselves, you know, with their cell phones and Twitter and Facebook and that. You know, the celebrities like to advertise what they're doing, too. 
And when when there is a phone in their pocket and, and they're on set, it, it's very tempting for them to take a picture and pop it up somewhere. And uh, I know they tr- try and are supposed to get permission for that, but it, it, it is another avenue or another way things get out. So uh, we'll keep an eye on things. Trek Movie is a good place to look for stuff like that. Yeah, and they're going to be following that pretty closely, I think. So uh, just check that out and my site as well at treksandsci-fi.com. I think I'm going to take a very short break here, uh, and I will be back. We'll talk a little bit about television, a couple other things movie-wise, and then we'll get into the episode To the Death uh, featuring the Gem Hadar. Attention, attention. Are you a fan of MASH, one of the most groundbreaking television series in history? Then take a listen to the MASH 4077 podcast, where hosts Kenny, Simon, and Al discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. So come and find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 podcast or online at www.mash4077podcast.com. Okay, I'm back. It looks like the Prometheus film comes out in June this year, June 2012. So uh, not too long away, uh, you know, about four months away for that. So we'll be looking forward to uh, how that turns out from Ridley Scott and, and company. I think it's going to be good. I, I, I just uh, I'm wondering how much it's going to be related to the Alien uh, films. I know that the, the rumor around it was going to be a prequel to those, but we will see what happens with that time. Um, uh, Television-wise, I, I wanted to mention, uh, I'm watching all the normal, usual shows. Everything's been uh, pretty good. Uh, I've, uh, you know, Big Bang Theory's been a lot of fun the last couple of weeks, especially, and Fringe is great. And and just uh, the, the one show that I wanted to mention, though, and I just caught the first episode. It just started up. Um, I just watched the first pilot kind of episode. It's called The River. This is the new ABC drama that uh, I think Steven Spielberg is maybe one of the executive producers on. It's uh, Basically, what it follows is a crew of people that go down to the Amazon and hunt for a missing explorer-type guy played by the actor uh, Bruce Greenwood, who was in the 2009 uh, Star Trek film as Pike. He's done a lot of work over the years. Was I remember him way back when he was on St. Elsewhere, way back in the day. So he plays the explorer character who's gone missing, and they go down to this uh, area of the Amazon. He's... Uh, He's a guy that had a television show for about 20 years on, on TV, brought his family along with him on his adventures, and now they're looking for him. He's he's disappeared, and it shows his wife, his his son, and, and a few others that are uh, going and searching for him. Now, of course, this show being uh, something that uh, the makers are not the makers. I don't think anyone from Lost is working on it. Anyway, it has that sort of vibe, though. There's a lot of weird things going on in the jungle, mysteries, and maybe some magic, at least in the first pilot episode. I watched it on Hulu uh, the other night. I, there's two out right now, two episodes. The third one is on this Tuesday night on ABC. But I was very impressed with it. It's kind of one of these handheld camera kind of things. The premise being that there's a camera crew that is paying for this expedition to look for this missing guy, this missing scientist, so they can use that idea of this camera crew around for the different shots and the way they film the episode. It's not all like that, but a lot of it is. And and it's, it's a bit of a gimmick. It's been going on since, uh, oh, what was that movie in the woods from, you know, 20 years ago or not 20 years ago maybe about 10 or 11 years ago it's the name is escaping me somebody out there listening to the podcast is screaming it out i saw the movie i saw the movie in theaters 
But ever since there, it's like these scary movies they do in, uh, at the in theaters these days. Um, but anyway, this this is the style of uh, or another style that they're filming in things these uh, these types of shows and films. But there's something about this show that really kind of caught my eye and it made it very interesting. And I'm going to watch the next episode on Hulu and at least the third episode on uh, my TiVo after it records on Tuesday. Give it at least a three episode or four, maybe even commitment to see what I think of it. Uh, but I'm enjoying it so far. The first episode really, really grabbed me. I thought it was very interesting. The characters seem pretty cool and I'll, I'll keep watching. Of course, these kinds of shows, especially when they start in the middle part of the season, to get traction and to get enough ratings, we'll see what happens with it and if it comes back or not. But uh, if you get a chance, check it out. Check out the first uh, episode or two of The River and let me know what you think. Uh, shoot me an email anytime, treksf at gmail.com. Uh, I don't think that's a, well, I think that's mostly what I want to cover. Nothing really big on Trek, although there was an announcement. There's Toy Fairs going on in New York this week. Hasbro is going to be making a new line of various Star Trek collectibles and things starting in 2013. We are going to uh, be getting some new Hasbro Star Trek uh, collectibles, toys, and other things. Uh, that'll start us off with the movie year next year. There is also going to be a new video game for all the video game systems, and I probably PC as well. Pretty high-end video game in the Star Trek realm. Of course, remember, you can play Star Trek online these days for free. If you want to check that out, just go over to, I think it's STO or something like that, or ST Online. might be Star Trek Online. Probably multiple uh, addresses will get you to the site, or just Google it. Uh, so you can check out that game before... Uh, you play the one in 2013 that will be coming out. All right, I've got a contest to do. A couple weeks ago, I announced that a and is, is was nice enough to contact me again and give away a couple of uh, DVD uh, sets that they've got. I think one was for Ancient Aliens, and one was like Frozen Earth about a, the possible possibility of a new Ice Age, I think is what it was. There are links in, in the podcast notes from the show two weeks ago about all that. But I've got a list of people. All you had to do was send me an email with DVD contest in the title. And uh, this is uh, for winning those sets. I'm going to roll my magic die here. Whoops, it fell onto the floor. <laughs> this is great podcast uh, audio right now, isn't it? Okay, here we go. All right, it's number five on my list. That is Jamie. Jamie... Jamie Todd Hunter, to, to, Todd Hunter. If that's your real last name, I'm not sure. T O D H U N T E R. Todd Hunter. Jamie Todd Hunter. You sent me an email, and uh, what I need you to do, Jamie, is email me once again and send me your uh, address. Hopefully, you are in the United States. This was really just for U.S. I think Canada would have been okay too. I always have to double check with A and E. I know that they. Um, they will be shipping you the DVDs directly. So send me, Jamie, your address, and I will then send it to the people at A&E, and they can send you the DVD set. So congratulations, Jamie, on the winning the, uh, the cool uh, double DVD set there. Okay, folks, I am going to take one more short break, and then we'll come back and get into the uh, episode of Deep Space Nine to the death. This is, again, a fourth season, late in fourth season uh, show, and I will be commenting as we talk about it. And uh, after that, I, uh, towards the end of the show, I've got a one-listener comment, I think, to play, and then I'm also going to do a quick collectible review, I think, this week. Hopefully, we'll have time for that. So stand by, uh, and I will be back in a moment. I'm Jen Geffinger. 
I'm Kevin Batchelder. And I'm Kurt Geppinger. And we are the SeekerCast, a podcast for fans of the TV series Legend of the Seeker. We are a community-based podcast that works to keep you up to date on some of the best news, forum discussions, and interviews in the Seeker fandom. We also do a recap and in-depth discussion of each episode. I thought it was very rich, the story. I, I was afraid it was going to be a little trite, but this really played out to be a very powerful episode in my mind. The whole episode did kind of stay one step ahead. I, I felt like I kept having to catch up and try and figure out what was going on, which I like that. that it's not predictable, so that, that made me very happy the way it was done. And also, you know, correcting the mistake they made on the Sisters of the Light in Season 1. <laughs> <sighs> that was the only thing of Season 1 that I cannot forget. It's okay, though, because we're staying focused on the series, right, Kurt? So tune in to The Seeker Cast at theseekercast.com or subscribe through iTunes. Anyone else want to question my orders? All right, here we go with the episode of DS9. Captain's log, Stardate 499-04.2. After driving away Breen privateers from the Bajoran colony of Freehaven, we are returning to Deep Space Nine. They're aboard the Defiant right now, uh, cruising back to DS9, and just like he said, they have just uh, had a confrontation with the Breen. I don't think I slept through a night for weeks. Weeks? Molly's been doing this for two months already. She just needs a little attention. Dax is right. I'd say she's jealous. She knows that you and Keiko are gonna have a baby soon. What makes you such an expert in children? First in my class in pediatric medicine. I wouldn't sit there if I were you. Why? Miles spilled something again. It's Worf's seat. He'll be here in a minute. Well, just because Worf lives on the Defiant full time, it doesn't give him proprietary rights in the mess hall. No one says it does. He just likes that seat. <laughs> It's like Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory. I think I remember uh, remember this and uh, prune juice, extra large. Warriors drink, yes. Remember Guinan when she introduced him to that in uh, yesterday's Enterprise, I think it was, on TNG. He's just standing over the table, staring at Doctor Bashir. <laughs> Gives him this glare. Have a seat, Commander. He says, have a, have a seat, but then he sl- Julian slides All over. Senior staff, report to the bridge immediately. Bring your prune juice with you. Don't let that go to waste. You better have a look at this. Okay, they're back to DS9, but one of the pylons has been uh, basically blown off part of a pylon and the upper pylons. on the fires in section 13. We have to keep them away from the plasma conduits. Kira's hurt. He told me he's going to be working on one of the upper pylons today. He's fine. I saw him with one of the damage control teams on level five. Oh, what a relief. Wait till I find him. I'll kill him for scaring me like this. Major, here's a preliminary list of stolen equipment. Report, Major. It was a Jem'Hadar strike team. They beamed aboard from a civilian transport, disabled communications and weapons, set off an explosive device in Upper Pylon 3, fought a number of small... This one's gone. Spinal fracture and severe trauma to the cranial meninges. They raided the science lab, the reactor control facility, and several cargo bays. Microfusion initiators, photonic amplifiers, EPS power stabilizers. They were out of here and through the wormhole before we knew what hit us. Constable, how many casualties do we have? So far, 18 confirmed dead, 31 missing, and over 100 wounded. How long ago did the Jemadar leave? Uh, 
45 minutes at the most. That means their ion trail hasn't decayed yet. We could still follow them. I intend to do more than that. Cisco to Defiant, prepare for departure. I'm gonna stay here, take care of the wounded. That includes you. The station's yours, Major. Contact Starfleet. Tell them to get some ships out here just in case this is a diversion. Understood. Constable, you're with us. Cisco to Defiant, free to beam out. Yeah, well, let's go get some payback, guys. I love that ship. The Defiant is just just an awesome mug. Just like how sleek it is and, and compact. So they pop through the wormhole and off they go. Alright, this episode uh, called To the Death... Uh, was episode uh, 23 for season 4, first aired back on May 13th, 1996. This uh, was written by Ira Stephen Bear, one of the regular staff writers on DS9, and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Uh, Robert Wolf also worked on the series uh, Andromeda, the Gene Roddenberry Andromeda TV series. This episode was also was directed uh, by LeVar Burton, so... Uh, it's it's um it's a really interesting episode I think and uh, I I've always enjoyed these early episodes early kind of in the conflict that was going on between you know the Jemadar and the founders and uh, the people aboard Deep Space Nine of course and you know to have uh, that much damage done to the station in this episode is is pretty dramatic way to start the episode they that doesn't happen a lot you know DS Nine you didn't was able to throughout the different battles in war mostly held its own and never got damaged uh, too much not to the degree that you see here with one of the pylons pretty much blown off um a couple other things i wanted to say about this before we get back to the episode there's quite a bit of violence in this episode this episode has the unique distinction as being i think the only trek episode that was actually the network um told them to re-edit it down and, and pull out some violence. It was, um, it, there was a, and I'll tell you when we're getting to it later in the episode, but there's a pretty big fight that happens, and it was, uh, it was cut, basically. They, they, they cut a lot of the, the violence and the death that happens in it for this, and I'm not a big, you know, I don't like it when they do that, really. I think if it serves the story, it's important. I can understand why, and, and these days you get away with it a lot more, but um, anyway, unique this? thing there for Star Trek. Their ion trail is getting fainter. The Jemadar must be emitting a magneton pulse to cover their tracks. Keep on them. I want that ship. Frankly, I'm surprised something like this hasn't happened sooner. Being at the edge of the wormhole makes Deep Space Nine a tempting target. Sometimes I wish we could have the Defiant standing guard over the station 26 hours a day. Restricting the Defiant to guard duty would be a serious mistake. You wouldn't say that if you had family living in the station. Perhaps, but adopting a siege mentality is ultimately self-defeating. I've got some. Yeah, Worf has got a point there. You can't just stay and guard everything Red always. Alert. On screen. And the ship that they. Warship. This cannot be the vessel we are looking for. It's damaged. Major Kuris said the Jimbadar strike team that attacked the station used a transport ship. Captain, that warship's in pretty bad shape. Looks like someone's been using it for target practice. They're transmitting a broadband distress signal. It could be a trap. How many crew members aboard? 
I'm reading seven life signs. You won't be reading them for long. The reactor's about to go critical. Chief, have a security detail report from the transporter bin. Odo, Commander Warp, you're with me. One thing I think is kind of odd here is he brings Odo with him too. You know, and there's reasons it happens for the episode, but they've got Warp there for security and, and, and defense. And, and with what happened on DS9, you'd think he would have left Odo behind, but... Reinstate Cloak. If you're looking for your weapons, they were removed in transport. Even without weapons, we're more than a match for you. I would not be so certain of that. <laughs> a Klingon. And the traitor. The founders will be pleased. Omeniklan. There's about six Jem'Hadar that beamed over. Control your men. Along with these people saved our lives. Along with Wayun. That, we shall take advantage of their you mistake. Do nothing without my approval. My apologies, Captain. I'm afraid the Jem'Hadar sadly deficient in the social graces. Two hours ago, my station was attacked by a Jem'Hadar strike team. I know. They attacked us, too. Why would your own people attack you? Tell them nothing. This is not their concern. Your next allowance of white will be in two hours. If you want it on time, you will be quiet and do as you're told. This is actually the first time you see Wayun in, in uh, DS9. You and I should talk. In private? He plays a Vorta. If you have something to say to me, make it quick. Jeffrey Combs Captain is the actor. Benjamin Sisko. I feel honored. Your psychographic profile is required reading for Vorta field supervisors. I probably know things about you you don't know yourself. If you're trying to impress me, you can forget it. What would you say if I offered to make you Absolute ruler of the Federation. No president, no Starfleet chief of staff, just you. I'd say your psychographic profile of me isn't as good as you think. <laughs> <laughs> just doing my job. Yeah, I just thought I'd ask. You Trying know. to build a bridge between the Dominion and a potential ally. After all, wouldn't it be much simpler if the Dominion and the Federation could reach some mutual beneficial understanding without resorting to the unpleasantness of military conflict? I want to know how to find the Jim Hadar who attacked my station. If you want to build a bridge, why don't you start there? I can lead you to them. But there's something I need in exchange. What's that? I want you to help me eliminate them. The Jemadar that attacked your station are renegades. They've turned their back on their oath of allegiance to the Dominion, and it's my job to see to it they're punished. Why do you need my help? You could send a fleet of Jemadar warships after them. I'm afraid we don't have the time. Captain, are you familiar with the Iconians? They controlled a vast interstellar empire about 200,000 years ago. What's important is how the Iconians controlled that empire. The gateways. Exactly. Sophisticated transporters that allowed them to move instantaneously from one planet to another, from one solar system to another without the use of starships. What does any of this have to do with me? Dominion scientists recently discovered a gateway on one of our outlying worlds. We sent a team of scientists to restore it, but the Gemma Dark Guards rebelled 
and are now trying to complete the gateway themselves. These renegade Jem'Hadar stole some equipment from my station. EPS power stabilizers, microfusion initiators, photonic amplifiers. Yeah. I would say it's very possible trying to fix it. use that equipment to help them complete the gateway. You understand the nature of our dilemma. I always like this character, Wayun, always mostly trying to work out a deal for himself. Become virtually too. invincible. Our experts predict the renegades would gather support from other Jemadar units, launch a general insurrection, and effect a complete takeover of the Dominion in less than a year. Yeah, that'd probably be bad for you guys. None of which is my problem. That's very short-sighted of you, Captain. The enemy Think of my it. enemy is my if friend. If the Jem'Hadar seize control of the Dominion, there'll be no stopping them. Even shutting down the wormhole won't protect the Alpha Quadrant. With the Gateway, they could put a million Jem'Hadar warriors on any Federation planet instantaneously. Would you care to see our projections of Federation casualties? Couldn't the Founders just order them to surrender? From what I know, the Jem'Hadar have been genetically engineered to obey them. Yeah, that's not working quite so well. The Jem'Hadar has been somewhat overstated. Otherwise, we never would have had to addict them to the white. Sounds like the Dominion isn't quite as stable as you'd like us to believe. Yeah, well. The Dominion has endured for 2,000 years and will continue to endure long after the Federation has crumbled into dust. But we leave that to history. Right now, we have a more pressing concern. The Gateway must be destroyed. Agreed. And Cisco moves really close to Wayun. Agreed. So, you know, on an uneasy alliance at this point. Let me get this straight. We're going to work with the Jem'Hadar to fight the Jem'Hadar. I don't relish this idea either. But <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Choice. Yeah. I was on the mission that discovered the Iconian home world. We were forced to destroy the gateway we found there rather than let it fall into the hands of the Romulans, and Starfleet Command supported our decision. If they didn't want the Romulans to get a hold of it, I'm sure they don't want the Jem'Hadar to have it either. What are we supposed to do? Give Omedaclan and his men their weapons back and then hope they don't point them at us? They're not going to get their hands on any weapons until we reach our target. How do we know that these Jem'Hadar can be trusted? They must realize that controlling the Gateway would mean freedom for their people. According to Wayun, they don't know anything about the Gateway. They think that this is just a routine search-and-destroy mission. Find the renegade Jem'Hadar, eliminate them and their base. You are asking us to lie to them about our mission. It is not honorable. There's a lot of things about this mission that bother me, but lying to the Jem'Hadar is not on top of my list. If the Jem'Hadar find out that we've deceived them... They're not going to find out anything. Well, they won't hear it from me. There'll be a joint briefing session at 1900 hours. Followed by a get-to-know-you buffet at 1930. And I forgot my dress uniform. Yeah, it's a little tricky situation, especially with having, you know, to work with those about, you know, 6-8 Jem'Hadar that they beamed over. Really good makeup. I always like the Jem'Hadar look. It seems we're going to be working together. So I'm told. Luckily for you, 
The only thing I despise more than the Federation is a Jim Hadar soldier who breaks his vow of allegiance. I'm glad you see it that way. Yeah, well... Now, mm -hmm, yeah. I have a few things mm -hmm. I want to make clear. First, this is my ship and my command, which means I give the orders, not you and not Wayun. What's more, I'm holding you personally responsible for the actions of your men. If I have a problem with them, you're the one who's going to have to answer for it. That's as it should be. After all, I'm the first. As far as I'm concerned, on this mission, I'm the first. <laughs> Until the traitors are yeah. terminated. After that, we shall see. I always like these little Jem'Hadar little tubes feeding him the uh, the drug, the white too. You can see it pulsing in, in this uh, pretty pretty well. And if it really moves that much, it's like, man, you must have to walk around with like a whole big bag or box of that stuff to uh, constantly According feed to your Dominion body. Intelligence, the Jem'Hadar have established a base camp. Yeah, I think it looks here. like six soldiers the with them. The structure is riddled with a network of corridors and interlocking chambers. Our primary objective is to destroy the Jem'Hadar arms and supply cache in this chamber. The trick will be getting there. We can't beam directly into the structure, which means we'll have to fight our way in. Jem'Hadar tactics dictate at least 27 soldiers are stationed inside the base camp at all times. Nine will patrol the perimeter, and additional troops are deployed throughout the city. How many renegades are there altogether? 162 in the original garrison. We killed at least 12 during the initial rebellion. Well, that still leaves 150. Just between you and me, Captain, I think we're a little outnumbered. Wouldn't it be simpler to take out the base from orbit? A couple of quantum torpedoes should be enough to level the entire area. Unfortunately, that's not an option. The central structure is composed of solid neutronium. Even a direct hit from a quantum torpedo wouldn't necessarily destroy our objective. Which means we have to go in ourselves, as it should be. It is our duty to punish those who would break the vow of loyalty. I recognize that voice. Uh, it is not for us to for one of the Jem'Hadar of betraying heaven. The gods themselves. It is Brian Thompson, yeah, who was on X Files. I'm no god, and neither are the founders. The sooner you realize that, the better off you'll be. We've chosen a beam in sight. He plays a Toman Torax, one of the Jem'Hadar soldiers. That'll give us a chance to evaluate the situation before proceeding. Our first objective will be to secure the main entrance to the Ziggurat. Neutralizing nine guards before one of them can raise an alarm will be difficult. It's as you said. The Klingon will to fight pales in comparison to our own. <laughs> yes. He has the look of a warrior. But the heart of a coward. If you would like to test my courage. All I... right. That's enough. <laughs> One day, the Klingon Empire will fall before the Jem'Hadar. And when that day comes and piles of Klingons lie dead at my feet. He moves in really I close to war. Standing here, impotent and weak. And I will laugh. All right. I said that's enough. Logan! Let him go! Release the Klingon! Or I will kill you where you stand! <laughs> Now, the two of you, as you were, I promise you both have more fight than you can handle before this is over.
One thing about the patrolling guards I was just thinking about is, is that they say that they couldn't beam um, into the structure, but couldn't they beam some of them out? Oh, now Worf just took one of Let's the Jem'Hadars out here. They're starting. Right with you. I recall this is a simulation. Ready. Wait, the room's not secure. We have to find the third guard. I do not see him. He's here somewhere. I know. We're supposed to be on our way out by now. Where is he? Remember that the uh, Jemadar have uh, the, third guard. the ability to sort of cloak. Somewhere. Look for a slight rippling effect. We know what we're looking for, we just can't find it. We're dead. That's correct. The Jemadar defense grid is now in operation. Automated weapon systems have killed everyone in this room. Your crew failed in their mission. Well, you might as well tell us, where's the other one? There was no third guard. I don't understand. You told me the Jemadar soldiers always operate in teams of three. In battle, nothing is certain. You should have armed the explosives as soon as you were in position. We had to be sure the room was secured. Otherwise, someone could have disarmed the explosive the moment we left. If you couldn't secure the room, you should not plan on leaving it. You want us to blow the place up while we're still in it? This is a waste of time. They'll never succeed, as long as they value their lives more than victory. There's something to be said for soldiers who aren't afraid to die. I don't know. I found that nothing keeps me alert quite like a healthy fear of death. Keep practicing, two of you with me. Yep, yeah, so be prepared for the unexpected, I guess. That's the their uh, lessons. To help our crews learn to work together. Constantly showing contempt for my people isn't making it any easier. Would you prefer I lied? What I'd like is for you to at least maintain the pretense that we're on the same side. Captain! I understand your concerns, and so does Omedicla. Deck 5, Section 1. The only way my troops can come to respect your crew is to fight alongside them. Mixed teams in every aspect of the mission. That's not practical. Why not? Are you questioning my decision? You fool. My men and I, we know all about the gateway. Uh-oh. The jig is up. Looks like your secret's out. How do you know about the gateway? It doesn't matter how we know. The point is, we know. You think you have to lie to us and use the white to ensure our loyalty. But the fact is, we're more loyal to the founders than the Vorta ever will be. It is the reason for our existence. It is the core of our being. There's an entire company of Jemadar down on Bandros 4 who would disagree with you. And for that, they will die. The uh, guy playing the uh, Jemadar here, uh, Omedaclan, teams it is. is Clarence Williams III, is the actor. This isn't going to be a suicide mission. As far as I'm concerned, everyone who goes in comes back out. Starfleet and Jemadar alike. Your concern for life is touching. Let's hope it doesn't stop us from achieving our objectives. Yeah, he is um, Computer, an actor Turbolift. that was on a TV show a long time ago in the 70s called The Mod Squad. 
So, uh, and he gets uh, to play this pretty cool uh, Jem'Hadar here. Am I really that interesting? You've been standing there staring at me for the last two hours. You are part of my combat team. I must learn to understand your behavior, anticipate <laughs> your actions. There must be something you'd rather do. Maybe get some sleep? We don't sleep. Yeah. How about getting something to eat? The white is the only thing we need. Don't sleep. Don't eat. What do you do for relaxation? Relaxation would only make us weak. Oh, you people are no fun at all. Glad I'm not a Jem'Hadar woman. There are no Jem'Hadar women. So what do you do? Lay eggs? Jem'Hadar are bred in birthing chambers. We are able to fight within three days of our emergence. Lucky you. So let me get this straight. <laughs> no sleep, no food, no women. No wonder you're so angry. After 30 or 40 years of that, I'd be angry too. No Jem'Hadar has ever lived 30 years. How old are you? I am eight. I would have guessed at least 15. Few Jem'Hadar live that long. If we reach 20, we are considered honored elders. Yeah, this is, again... How old are you? <laughs> I stopped counting at 300. <laughs> you don't look it. Thank you. No women. I'm not surprised. Personally, I envy them. I mean, their ability to go without sleep. I'm sure I could be more productive if I didn't have to regenerate every day. What is the point of doing battle if you cannot enjoy the fruits of your victory? You mean sleep? No. I mean spending long nights singing songs of your deeds. Good food, good drink. And good women. Now, we consider Klingon women our partners in battle. They are the mothers of our children. And a lot of fun at parties, too. Dax has got a lot of good stuff to good lines in this episode, especially, I think. You know, she's got this little smirk a lot of times when she's talking to everyone and Why does he keep staring at us? I don't think it's us he's staring at. Wayun is staring at at the uh The Vorta probably consider the founders gods just like the Gemini. Yeah, he's staring at Odo. I am not a founder. Well, you're a changeling, that's close enough. To them. Wait, I wonder what would happen if he went over there and ordered him to stand on his head. <laughs> Jem'Hadar came in, a few of them now, with a, some kind of a device. I don't know what this is, I forget. but uh, It's time. Oh, it's the white thing, that's what it is. It's time. When I say it's time. It's the little dispenser that he has to um, key in and, and let them have their drugs, basically. Very well. Prepare six files. Unlock. First, Omeriklan, can you vouch for the loyalty of your men? We pledge our loyalty to the Founders, from now until death. Then receive this reward from the Founders. May it keep you strong. 
Wayun looks really bored with what he just had to do there. So they each get their little drug thing, slip it into their little uniform slots. And I guess that's one way to assure loyalty. Loyalty bought at such a price is no loyalty at all. Resume your training. Human, come with me. It is time to resume our battle drills. In a minute. I'm ready now. I'm not. They stuff themselves with food, but have no appetite. Ah, They're it's time for a bar fight. When the time comes, you will find us more than ready. Ready to flee at the first sign of danger. Let's go. You can practice running away. Worf just smacked this guy across I've the face. wanted to kill a Klingon. And now there's a big pylon, basically. The next one who pulls a punch will have to enter the meat. Now I want to know who started this. I did. And I. You. Again. You knew my orders. And I defied them. I deserve punishment. And you shall have it. Basically, he grabbed that guy and broke his neck. Why are you waiting? Kill him and be done with it. Mr. Worf, we're not on duty. You are confined to quarters for the remainder of this mission. Yes, sir. Really don't want to take right. Worf out of the battle, out of the Let's fight. Let's this up. Get back to your stations or to your quarters. Either way, I want this room cleared. Now! You call that discipline? A dead man can't learn from his mistakes. I don't get the same joy out of killing as you do. You think I enjoyed it? To Monturak was my second. He served under me three years. I valued him. You have a funny way of showing it. I did what had to be done. What any first would do. I place the good of the unit above my personal feelings. Any soldier who cannot follow orders is a danger to his unit and must be eliminated. Mr. Worf is not a danger to my command. But if I eliminate him for a simple breach of discipline, then I would be. My men would stop trusting me. And I wouldn't blame them. You are weak. You should die in his place. And when this mission is over, I will see that you do. Hmm, yeah. That's a lot of fun. So again, we get to learn a little bit more about the, you know, how these Jem'Hadar keep themselves in line between the white, the, you know, you make oh, a little mistake, you get killed. You, you only live a few years if you're lucky. 
Wayun is uh, now talking to Odo here, stopping him in the hall. You know I've been watching you. I've noticed. I have to admit I find it somewhat disturbing seeing you working for these Federation people. Letting them order you around. You are a founder. You should be the one giving the orders to them, to the Jem'Hadar, or even me. So, if I order you to leave me alone, you will? Of course. But before you do, please hear what I have to say. Your people want you to come home, Otto. No matter what differences you may have with them, no matter what mistakes you may have made, they still love you. Or maybe they do. But I don't love them. You're lying, and you're not very good at it. I, on the other hand, am an expert at lies, both in telling them and in spotting them, so you may as well admit the truth. More than anything in your life, you want to return to your people. And I can make that possible. How? Let me worry about the how. All I need to know is, are you ready to go home? No. But I am ready to end this conversation. You are a founder. I live to serve you. It's kind of an interesting scene there, and uh, you know, for a second I thought Odo was going to say, "Yeah, I'm interested" or whatever, but this isn't really to the point that he is. Matter. He's lived with the Federation and, and Bajorans for so long. It's my eleventh goodbye message since we've been married. I'm averaging almost two a year. Does she know you do this? What would I say to her? You know, honey, every time I'm about to go into battle, I record a message for you and Molly telling you how much I love you, just in case. She'd probably think it was sweet. It'd probably scare the hell out of her. To be honest, it scares the hell out of me. Every time I record one of these, I think, this is it. This is the one they're going to end up hearing. It'll never happen. What makes you say that? Because when you've lived eight lifetimes, you develop certain instincts. And my instincts tell me that you, Miles Edward O'Brien, are going to live to be 140 and die in bed, surrounded by family and friends. Do you really believe that? Do you? I'd like to. That's all that matters. Well, just to be on the safe side, maybe you'd better enter this in the ship's log anyway. I'll put it right alongside my message to my mother. You record these too? Doesn't everyone? Sir? Another uh, a nice little character scene well, there. Just, it looks just like a good the moment. Reactive injectors are working better than we thought. I like the uh, rapport between the different characters. Captain, 
on this one especially you know bills ended 10 minutes ago you should be in your quarters i'm on my way it looks like you got a little lost there's something i wish to discuss with you you need me on this mission go on it has come to my attention that first ometiclon has threatened to kill you i didn't know that was public knowledge you told commander dax well that explains it she is concerned about you and for good reason as your executive officer, I recommend that you remain on the ship during the away mission. That way, Ometaclan will have no opportunity to carry out his threat. I appreciate the concern, but do you really think I'm going to follow that recommendation? No, sir, I do not. But I hope you will take some advice. Do not turn your back on him. I won't. Good. I also want you to know if Somehow, he does carry out his threat. He will not live to boast about it. That's very reassuring, Mr. Warp. Dax to Cisco. Go ahead. We're approaching Vandros 4, Captain. On my way. Yep, so now we're getting to it. This also, this episode got a, uh, what's he, a, 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 called a 15 certificate in the, in the UK or something for the level of violence in it as well. Like I was saying earlier, this is the only episode of Star Trek ever to be cut for violence. 45 seconds of hand-to-hand -hand combat I'm was waiting. cut prior to the episodes being screened. Iris Stephen Bear wasn't very happy about that. He says it really hurt the show. They build up to this battle, and it's kind of perfunctory. Uh, fans wrote, they say... These aren't like the ones we gave you during the drill. They're the rhythm charged. of the fight is off and things like that, so... Uh, the weapon's set on stun. Deactivate safeties. Reset weapons to maximum power. Okay. <laughs> well, this is a momentous occasion, the first joint operation between the Federation and the Dominion. I can't wait to see how it turns out. Prepare to transport. Wait. I am first, Ometaclan. And I am dead. As of this moment, we are all dead. We go into battle. There's some Starfleet guys here that are like going, our lives. I'm not dead. Kind of looking at each this other. This we do gladly, for we are Jimada. Remember, victory is life. Victory, victory is, is life. life. Such a delightful people. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. I'm very much alive, and I intend to stay that way. Amen. Let's get it done. Yeah, I always wonder where all the rest of these guys in the Defiant were from. There's about, like, probably 20 security guys here with them, at least. I suppose if they were chasing after the uh, Jem'Hadar took off with the Defiant, they would have brought along a little bit of a security force with them. That would have made sense. You betrayed us. What are you talking about? Our rifles are sabotaged. Hold on. And Worf is on the mission, by Mine's the way, too. too. Something must be interfering with our equipment. The gateway. It's probably generating some kind of dampening field. If that's the case, we'd better come up with a new plan. Well, and this is when they all flash in and, and attack them. 
everyone should have brought a bat lift with them. We lost Ramirez too. It would appear we no longer have the element of surprise. I suppose you want to call off the mission. Guess again. So they pick up some of these bladed weapons that the Jem'Hadar attacked with and, and work their way towards the, uh, the station. So they made their way inside, way. a couple of Jem'Hadar, along with some of the Starfleet people, ahead, Worf and Dax. takes off this pack he's been carrying and it's really Odo. You're sure the explosives won't be affected by the gateway? The primary detonator might not work, but the chemical backup should do the trick. The way is clear. Let's move. So they come down to this gateway that's kind of flashing different images of different worlds and things. <laughs> There's a couple of Jem'Hadar in there. Cisco takes out one of them. And the first guy is in there too, along with Miles who's setting the detonator. And Cisco just blocked a blade that was meant for the first guy. I threatened to kill you, but you were willing to sacrifice yourself to save my life. Looks that way. Why? If you have to ask, you'll never understand. Gentlemen, I think it's time we're leaving. Let's go. If I were you, I'd run like hell. What about Dax and the others? Here, Captain. So they got out of there, so obviously. For the, gateway. the charge blew the up. The are working again. The Defiant sensors registered a powerful explosion in the vicinity of the gateway. I trust your mission was a success? The gateway's been destroyed, if that's what you mean. <laughs> well done, Captain. You've all done quite nicely. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to inspect the wreckage. And one of the Jem'Hadar just shot the first shot. Wayun. for questioning our loyalty. But of I course, think 
there's been enough killing for one day. This isn't the last we see of Wayun, of course. They clone the those Vorcha. No further use of this. My men and I will remain here. There's still disloyal Jim'Hadar on this planet. They must be hunted down and eliminated. Good luck. You fought well. But the next time we meet, we'll be enemies. I'll keep that in mind. So they turn on their little, like, you know, predator-looking cloaks and take off. I don't know the rest of you, but I'd like to get out of here. Cisco to Defiant. Begin transport. And that's it. Yep, that's the episode of DS9 called To the Death. Again, I think it's it's important and, and a good episode to very much flesh out the Jem'Hadar, the soldiers, why they do what they do, how they honor and and have this loyalty to the founders. But it's it's almost a little misguided in a way. I mean, between the white and the Vorta that they use and all of that, I, I like this one because we get to see Wayun for the first time. And you get to, again, learn a little bit more about the crew and how they deal with all of this. And it's um, it's kind of a nice, uh, kind of an episode that, that bridges the, the what's going on during the battle and the war. And also, the, I think it's always interesting when you have a, an episode that you have to work with kind of your enemies. That's always a good uh, a story and brings a lot of conflict and to do. So uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, hearing the episode and my comments. And... Uh, Next up, I'm going to play a uh, audio clip from a listener, and then I'll be back after that with a quick collectible review. Hello, everybody. This is Will. Will Eagle on the forums. And I just wanted to leave a quick comment about this week's episode that Rico is covering to the death of D Space Nine. And a couple of things I would like to mention is I do like this episode really well. It's, it's definitely probably one of my uh, favorites. Probably in the, maybe in the top 10, at least top 15 episodes. I mean, that's a really well done episode. Um, one of the things I, I really like about it, and this is shown in a lot of the episodes, but I always liked it when they showed the Defiant leaving the station, you know, how it kind of buck, backs up and turns around. I always thought that was just the coolest shot. And, of course, they used it quite a bit, which is understandable when it's such a cool shot. And I did notice on this, and I'm sure Rico will probably mention this too, is LeVar Burton directed this episode. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it, it was the first episode with Wayun. And, um, of course, he shows up a lot more in the following seasons. And then the uh, probably the best thing about this episode is how much you actually get to learn about the Jim Hadar. I mean, you learn a lot of different things about the white and about how they're uh, born or bred or however you want to say it. So they do give you a lot of information on that. Another one of my favorite parts is when Dax is talking to one of Jim Hadar's shoulders about their age and stuff like that. And uh, he says to her that, or she says to him, you know, ask her how old he was. And then he asks her how old she was. And she says she's 300 years old. And he leans over and goes, you don't look it. I just thought that was a pretty good part. But anyway, good episode. I'm glad you're covering it this week, Rico. And I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks a lot. Bye.
Well, thank you very much for your comments. I appreciate that, uh, Will. It's always great to hear from you guys and what you think of the episodes. And please feel free to send me comments about whatever the subject is for the week or a TV show or a movie that you want to talk about or a book. Uh, just send those all into treksf at gmail.com. And next up here, I'm going to I'm going to review and talk a little bit about the Star Wars The Old Republic collector's edition uh, that I recently got for the uh, MMO game of Star Wars. Now, I started playing the game when it first came out, actually a little before it came out, uh, for those of us that were in the beta test and pre-ordered, you could play a little day, a few days before. But my older son, over the holidays, started to really enjoy the game, so I basically gave him the first copy of the game that I got. Here you go. You, He had higher level characters and stuff. So I went out and decided to get a, uh, a new version, or not a new version, but a new copy of the game for me to play since I hadn't really made a very high-level character. I only got up to about level 10 or 11 or something with my little Jedi. So uh, well, I went out and I debated about what to buy. Should I just buy the basic edition again? But I decided to spring for the full-on collector's edition. Now, when they first announced this, I thought the price was a little steep. Uh, for other collector game editions in the past, they were usually around $75, $80 in that range or so. Well, this one, they shot it up to $150. Yes, <laughs> $150. Now, that sounds like a lot, but the biggest draw for the collector's edition for me is what I really want to talk about on the review here today is there's a statue from Gentle Giant inside the collector's edition box, which is a huge box, by the way. I ordered it on Amazon, Amazon.com, and I believe you can still get the collector's edition for the Old Republic if you're interested in the game, or maybe you just want the goodies and never play the game. Who knows? I kind of doubt that. Maybe some people do it, but the there's a Darth Malgus statue from Gentle Giant, like I said, that comes inside the, the box. It's about I guess it's about nine inches tall or something like that. It's a it's a pretty standard gentle giant piece, uh, a, a nice statue, nice paint app. Uh, Darth Malgus is in the, if you've seen some of the commercials and ads for this uh, game, he is kind of the big bad Sith bad guy, head bad guy. Uh, he looks very much like Darth Vader. He doesn't have a full-on helmet, but he has a breathing kind of apparatus thing, wears a lot of black, of course. He has some of this mechanical device kind of keeping him alive, and I'm sure there's a big backstory history about him that I'm not completely aware of right now at this point of why he he looks the way he does probably been in a lot of battles and things but the statue is very cool he's got a lightsaber that you uh, can put the little uh, you know red blade in it of course all the Sith use red blades right uh, it's uh, it, you know the I've always thought that's kind of funny it's like really I mean at least the Jedi get a couple colors maybe even three if you count mace uh, in the movies and stuff but uh, he's got a red saber, and it's a very nice uh, detailed statue. The paint app, like I said, is good. It looks very good on it. And uh, he looks a, maybe a little too Vader-like, but I'm a big collector, of course, of things and, and statues and items and things like that, and, and a gamer too. So I figured, eh, I'll buy the... Um, I'll buy the collector's edition, get the statue, and then uh, you get also some in-game items, like a little hollow projector, access sort of to an in-game store thing that's that's a little exclusive, which I haven't really delved into that yet. You get a little uh, flare-type thing that can shoot up sort of a firework uh, deal. You get this little probe droid thing. Not a probe droid, but a mouse droid, sorry, that follows you around if you want in the game. There are a couple other little items, I think. Uh, so you get some in-game stuff, too. Oh, you get an STAP, the little flying things that the droids fly on in the first um, episode one, The Phantom Menace. 
I guess maybe we see those in other uh, of the prequels too, do we? I think maybe not. Maybe just in the first one. But uh, you get to use that, but you don't get a uh, to have a vehicle in the game. I think it's till twenty or twenty five. Uh, level 20 or 25 so uh, i've got the item but i don't i can't use it yet so those are some of the goodies that come along with the collector's edition for in the game playing but the darth malgus statue very nice piece uh, i really like it and I'm, I'm glad i sprung for the collector's edition comes in again a huge box i'll i'll tell you briefly too what else you get in the collector's edition because i know some people are maybe interested in getting into this you get a very nice metal case that the game itself comes in uh, you get the discs, of course, which you could probably download the game, which I had already done anyway. But it comes on three collector edition discs uh, that have very nice artwork. Uh, there's uh, Satil, I think, is the is the female Jedi. There's Darth Malgus picture on one, and then a bounty hunter on the third disc. And you get your little uh, redeem code inside there too. But it's a very nice metal case for the game discs themselves. You also get uh, what's called one of these, um, uh, what do they call it? It's a little electronic key, basically, that you can use to uh, have more security for your game. It goes on your keychain and generates, I think it's a six-digit uh, code. And once you enter this into your account, rather than just a, uh, your username and password, you have to enter this little code in order to play the game. Uh, so World of Warcraft has done this for a while now. You can get... Uh, portable editions of this for your like iPhones and Android devices and iPads and electronic versions, I should say. But this one's just a little keychain fob thing that gives you this added protection security key for your for playing the game. So that you get uh, with the collectors. You also get a uh, a CD of uh, the soundtrack to the game, which I haven't loaded and tried this out yet. I gotta pop that into my uh, my computer here and load that up onto my iPod. You get a map of the galaxy. And you also get uh, what I think is really cool, and I just started going through this today. You get something called the Journal of Master Nos Dural. Uh, this is basically a, a, a Jedi that uh, this little book was written by him, supposedly, and it was compiled by uh, Jedi Grandmaster Satil Shan, who is the female Jedi that you see in the in the previews. Uh, but let me let me read the preface to this book, and it's it's a very nice book. Got a huge amount of cool artwork of Sith and Jedi fighting and lots of other stuff. Uh, but anyway, this is what it says at the beginning. My fellow Jedi, this volume contains the experience and research of one of the most esteemed members of our order and one of the greatest scholars of our time. Not only did Master Nost Dural fight courageously during the Great War, this would be the Great War between the Jedi and the Sith, but his studies helped guide the Jedi Council in some of its most difficult times. He has also given us an invaluable resource by keeping an honest and thoughtful journal for duration of his distinguished career. Master Nas Dural is, focused, is now focused on reconstructing the Jedi archives that were destroyed in the Temple on Coruscant, and the Council has decided that his journal should be among the first records to be added to that wealth of wisdom. I believe Master Nas Dural's journal tells the story of our times as well it can be told, as well as it can be told, sorry, I've taken the liberty of highlighting the most relevant portions of the journal in this abridged version and included my own reflections where appropriate. And uh, there's about 10 chapters in this little book, History of the Jedi Order, Return of the Sith Empire, Early Days of the Great War, Battle of Bathwai, uh, Studying the History of the Sith Empire, Mystery of the Sith Emperor, the Battle of Alderaan, the Mandalorian Blockade, the Sacking of Coruscant, and events after the Treaty of Coruscant. But again, this book comes with the collector's edition only. I don't know if you can get it in any other way. 
maybe you can i'm not sure probably off ebay for people selling them but there's a very you know it's great art uh there's a great map in here of the jedi temple a blueprint of it and and basically what they kind of in a way very smartly i think it did and very uh cool is they took a lot of the artwork and, and pre-production stuff that they would have probably had to create for the game itself and for some of the video cutscenes that you see and put it into this sort of journal digest form for this book. So I, I, I think this is a, a great addition for the collector's edition too. So the again, the whole uh, package uh, for this, if you're a gamer and you like Star Wars, I, I really think it's worth picking up the collector's edition. I was a little... Uh, leery of the price but the game itself the base game costs like 60 bucks anyway so you're getting a you know about another 80 or so for the statue and these other collectible parts of it that i mentioned to you uh so it's um there you go darth malgus statue and a whole lot more in the collector edition for the old republic which i now have a, uh, a a new jedi counselor that i'm running i'm on the the corsair server on the uh, mostly the playing on the uh, the Jedi and Alliance side of things. I did make a couple of Sith-type characters, too, to mess around with. But uh, So there you go. That's uh, the collectible review for this week. Uh, I'm going to take a... Uh, well, maybe I'm just going to pause the, the recording here for a minute. I'm not going to do a real big break. And I'm going to come back. I'll give you just a little heads up of what's coming up on the next few weeks on Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, uh, next week on the show for the 19th of February, you're going to get a special guest cast because I'm, again, doing every other week for a show and something else in between. Excuse me. Next week, you're going to have a Jedi, not Jedi, Jeff. Sorry, that's in a few weeks. Sorry. You're going to get Joe, another J name, Joe or uh, Billy Bob on the forums. He is going to cover the series Battletech. This is an animated series in the Battletech universe. That'll be on next week's podcast. Uh, two weeks from now, on the February the 26th, I will be covering the Justice League uh, and, and Justice League Unlimited cartoon series that aired, uh, uh, well, I guess it ended a couple of years back. It ran for about, I think, four or five seasons in total, and I, I very much enjoyed that series, liked it a lot, so I wanted to cover that and get back to doing sort of a cartoon series, which I haven't done in a while. On the 4th of March, that's still a, a to-be-announced or to-be-determined week. If anyone else out there listening wants to do a guest spot for something, a, a show or a movie or whatever, give me a holler, even a book series or something like that. That would be cool, too, or music, whatever. Give me a holler. That weekend is open March 4th. On the 11th of March, I'm going to cover the TOS original series Trek episode, Who Mourns for Adonis? And that is an early second season episode. And on March 18th is the Jedi Jeff guest podcast. He will be covering the movie Titan AE. So those shows and much more will be coming up here on Treks in Sci-Fi on the coming weeks ahead as we hopefully get closer and closer to spring. We got some snow a couple of days ago here, and I don't like it. <laughs> Plus, it was really cold. We got down to about zero one night and 10 degrees or so. I was out there shoveling in windy 10 Fahrenheit weather, which isn't very much fun at all. I came back in and had to thaw my hands out. It felt like they're going to fall off. So uh, don't go outside and not cover up at this time of year. Which, while well, I was covered up, they just it just that biting cold gets in there. So I think that's it, folks. I, I'm about out of here. I may try to go see the 3D Phantom Menace today, or maybe later this week. I haven't quite completely decided yet. I do want to see it in the theaters, even though, as I've said several times and many times, I'm not a huge 3D fan. Not a big, uh, you know 
supporter of it, but this is Star Wars. Star Wars on the big screen, so I kind of have to go, but... Uh, that's it. Take care, everyone. Oh, I'm going to end the show with a song. Not a Rick Moyer song, but this one is by a group. I think I've talked about them before, and I may even have played some of their music. But uh, they're called Ookla the Mock. O-O-K-L-A space the space mock. M-O-K. Weird name. Ookla the Mock. I'll try to put a link to some of their stuff. I think is on CD Baby, maybe on iTunes as well. But they've got some new songs out, and this one's about, uh, basically this one's about science fiction conventions. I thought it was a cool song. It's about five minutes long. I will play probably, I may play all of it, or, or just a good portion of it. But uh, it's a cool song. Check them out. Ookla the Mock on CD Baby and other, I'm sure, places like iTunes and that. Uh, uh, a very fun group. Does a lot of this kind of music, similar to what Rick Moyer does as well. Just fun, geeky type music and, and, and always enjoyable for all the little references that they put in it. So, again, everyone take care. Oh, just one last thing. Uh, iTunes reviews. Get those on if you can. And uh, PayPal donations. All that stuff uh, and links to it can be found over at the main site, TrexInSciFi.com. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Next week, it'll be Joe or Billy Bob with Battletech. Bye-bye. This one is for all the geeks with fleet physiques and weak old weeks. This one is for all the freaks with a unique freak to meet the speak. This one's for you! If you know how many settings there are on a phaser, if you've paid more than a hundred bucks for a toy lifesaver If you kinda thought that Farscape was cool If you haven't played a sport since the day you got out of high school And you've come to the right place If you've lost friends over arguments about Green Lantern If you really thought Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms if you pretend every phone booth's a TARDIS And you know which is the correct edition of Army of Darkness Then you come to the right place I think you've come to the right place Welcome to the con, welcome to the con Klingons, Dorsi, furry elves, get down with your nerdy selves You've sent Mark Hamill your fast script for Star Wars 7 Or you own the special edition laser disc of of Heaven If you're living in your parents' garage And your four cats are named Taylor, Nova, Landon, and Dodge And you come to the right place If you've gaffer taped your man boobs in an attempt to flatten them you tried to pay your cell phone bill with gold press platinum If you care which doctor who was the best Or you tried to hide that you cried when that guy died on Galaxy Quest And you come to the right place Look around, you come to the right place Welcome to the con, welcome to the con 
troops in stormtrooper suits say, come on, shake your nerdy booty. Thank